0: Hello and welcome to Communities Forward. I'm your host Terrell Carter. Communities Forward seeks to share the stories and experiences of people who are making a positive impact within their communities and neighborhoods, especially in the St. Louis metropolitan area. The Communities Forward podcast is brought to you by RISE Community Development. and You can learn more about RISE and how we participate in the process of helping neighborhoods become healthier and more equitable at www.risestl.org, www.risestl.org. Today's podcast is part two of our interview with the Honorable Nikhiline Knapper. Ms. Knapper is an administrative judge for the U.S. Department of Agriculture, as well as the first black mayor in the history of Maplewood, Missouri. Today's interview is her discussion about her career in politics, which began uh, as a volunteer on a public school board, which eventually led her to becoming mayor of Maplewood. Hope that you enjoy this interview. Are there other kinds of concerns like this? And again, I want to recognize the the fact that uh, I doubt that any of your superiors are going to hear this podcast, but I also don't want you to say something that may cause uh, tension in your position, but are there other, is this something that the the government was just not aware of, it had not been brought up to them before, they didn't care about, are there, are there, are these kinds of things common or is it just. Have you had those kind of experiences in multiple other ways since since you
1: began? You know, no. If we're talking about like physical safety, they are they are aware of that. They care. They, as in, um, you know, the National Appeals Division, they care. And I think with what we are enduring this new normal through this pandemic. They are mindful of making sure that we're safe as well. So, if if I have scheduled an in-person hearing, but the location in which the hearing is to be held has a high rate of, you know, COVID, um, then I'm I'm not permitted to go there. So, I will say that the National Appeals Division is very mindful of our physical safety. And yeah, I will say that. Now, there are things that I have to, that I have endured as a Black woman that, hmm, it's not that they don't care. I think it's just they allow me to handle those negative scenarios. And then they let me know that they support me. Um, so I've, I've had, whew, I've had people call and just be so disrespectful to me. And this was like, you know, this is just throughout really. Um, when I first started, I just think I was a little timid to really put someone in their place if they were disrespectful to me. Now I'm not, I've been administrative judge for six years and I'm not timid anymore. So for example, I had a gentleman who uh, was representing an agency tell me that my line of questioning, and let me just, let me just uh, put in here, I'm the judge, but my line of questioning was besides the point.
0: Well, I'm so, sorry, I have to, wow, yes. that, was, that was bold.
1: Bold as Missouri mule dung. Okay, very bold <laughs> and foul. And so I made sure to tell him. I didn't even let him finish, mind you. I, you know, I, I have a, I have a setup as similar to to your podcast, right? Like, so we can see each other, but I have an audio recording of the uh, hearing. And so now, because of COVID, we can video conference but this one actually was a telephone hearing. And I made sure to tell people like, look, you cannot speak over each other because I need to have a clear record. So make sure when you speak, you state your name and then you let the other person talk. But I will tell you and your audience, I did not do that. I broke my own rule because I'm not going to have someone tell me in my courtroom what is on topic and what is not. And so I interrupted him and I, and I let him know, like, no, sir, I'm the judge. And I can decide what's on topic, and you're going to answer the questions that I'm asking you for the benefit of the appellant, so she understands what's going on, because she was representing herself. So, yeah. Uh, yes, ma'am. <laughs> <laughs> I don't play that. I don't play that. Like, don't don't do that. That was so disrespectful. It was so disrespectful. But then, like I said, it just goes back to the point of the National Appeals Division, you know. To, to ensure that we have face-to-face fairness. And I just wanna make sure, and this kind of carries throughout, like even as my position as mayor, I am going to make sure that you understand everything that I am doing and you, under, you all questions that you have are answered. I just want things to be clear because when people don't understand what's going on when they have that ignorance, then it, it works against them. And that's, that's not the point of my job, so.
0: Thank you, so I have one more question before we move on to your position as mayor. Like what is the next step or next move for you as judge? Where do you go from here? Do you become like a federal appeals judge or what the, I'm not asking you to predict the future, like what, what if somebody was in your position, what could be like a next move for them?
1: if someone was in my position the next move for them would be within within the national appeals division it would be um deputy regional director or regional director so you would not go from administrative judge to a federal court judge like no you're really on like two different paths um, when you're doing that okay yeah yeah
0: I, I think that's that's interesting. Uh, I, I don't think most of us understand that and know that. I think we, you know, most of our experiences is, is we see judges on television, uh, some real judges, some not so real judges, and <laughs> television uh, crime drama judges, and uh, we don't necessarily fully understand what that process is like. So, um, if I'm able, if you're willing to come back in the future. Uh, to the show, maybe something that we discuss even more. But let's move on to uh, what your other, uh, the other way that you're making a difference in community is you are the mayor of Maplewood, uh, which is a small municipality or a municipality a city in city of St. Louis. How did, what was your, uh, your, your, your trick to becoming mayor?
1: Forgive me, I'm going to correct you. So we are in the county, not the city. Thank you. I'm St. sorry. I'm so used yeah, to saying no. the city about
0: everything, but it's yes, not- ma'am.
1: It's fine, no, it's fine. Um, <laughs> we're actually like on the border of the city of St. Louis, but yeah, we're in the county. So forgive me, ask that question again, please.
0: So you were a mayor of a city. Would you tell us about your job, as your trick, how you became mayor of Maplewood?
1: Okay, thank you so much. So I was on the Maplewood Richmond Heights School Board, And I was focused on ensuring that we had a policy that focused on equity. And for the first year that I was on the school board, I worked towards that with my colleagues that were on school board. And within a year we had an equity policy. So it was great. And I'm telling you this because what I'm I'm learning about myself, even now, is that I have a tendency to have an idea, a vision, and then I can become very focused on that, like laser being focused. But it's like I'm not paying attention to other things that are going on around me because I'm so focused on reaching this goal. And so the goal was to get this equity policy. I got that. And then I'm looking around and I'm like, okay, so what's next? Right. And I was like, oh, you know, everything kind of looks copacetic. And then I'm starting to see data on our babies that are getting free and reduced lunches. And the numbers are going down, like we don't have many of them. And then I'm starting to look at data that's showing we don't have many children of color in our early childhood center. So now I'm like, well, wait a minute, what's going on? And then I'm looking and seeing that Maplewood is going through gentrification and we're losing our diversity. And for your listeners, I just want you all to understand about me. When I talk about diversity, I don't focus solely on um, race. I am looking at socioeconomic income and background. I'm looking at disability. I'm looking at sex, gender. I'm looking at a myriad of things besides race. And so I'm looking at this and I'm just like, okay, we have lost a lot of lower income families and this. This is not helpful to our diversity here in the community. And then also Maplewood Richmond Heights School District is an excellent school district. It is very um, supportive of children. And and honestly, it's like, it's a haven to some children. You know, we have have a good number of children that identify as maybe like an opposite sex. We have a lot of babies that identify as trans boys, trans girls, and Maplewood is a haven for them. And so I wanted to ensure that those families could stay here, that low-income families could stay here to benefit from our school district. And I was on school board. And so I'm talking to my mentor, her name is uh, Maria Langston. She's, on, she's a colleague on the school board. And I'm like, Maria, what's what can we do like why can't the school board do something about affecting change with housing and um making sure that when developers come before us that we're we're pushing them to have affordable housing units within their development and she just said to me that's not our job you know it's like that's that's not that's not our lane. Stay in your lane. And so when she told me that, you know, time after time for a whole year, I was just like, you know what, if that's not my job here, then I, I, I need to move along. I need to be at the table where these decisions are being made. And so that table was city council. And I, at the time, um, the representatives for my ward, I I, they were great Uh, they they've since changed, but at that time they were great and I didn't want to run against them Uh, and really if my my other mentor, which is Maria Langston's husband and former mayor of Maplewood. um, Mark Langston told me if you want to ensure that you are going to see change, then you need to run for mayor, and so I did. Wow. Um, okay, so what did you, hmm,
0: I'm trying to think how to ask this question as well. So you ran for mayor and you won and you are the first African-American mayor, first African-American woman uh, mayor of, of Maplewood. Uh, what is that like? How does that feel? How did people respond? Obviously enough people responded positively to
1: vote you in,
0: uh, but what has been occurring since you were elected?
1: It's it's the first year was hard. The first year was hard. Um, I will tell you that going back to the story I told you about being twelve and like that seed that's planted at the age that was planted in me at the, at the age of twelve wanting to be like Thurgood Marshall. You know he was a first, and so like like him, I'm like I want to be a first. I want to be a first. No one tells you what it's like to be a first. You only see like the the history that's being made. And it's exciting to make history, but it is lonely to make history as well, being the first. And so my first year was very difficult. I had colleagues on council that did not want to work with me. Uh, and I thought that I would be able, you know, I thought that I would be able to work with, with my colleagues, with enough, enough of my colleagues, if not all of council and get a lot of things accomplished, a lot of ordinances, a lot of um, policies through, and I didn't get as much as I wanted. Now, what's crazy is <laughs> I, 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 ha- I do have a type A personality. I am a bit of a perfectionist. I'm working on that. And so when you talk to someone in the community, um, they will tell you that I've done a lot, but I don't feel like I've done that much. Um, but it was it was difficult. And I was working with progressive folks on council uh, during my first year. Excuse me, but I will just tell you that I experienced some racist behavior from progressives, and it was it was awful. I'm just gonna be honest, it was awful. Uh, it's better now.
0: Can you give an example? I don't want you to like personally say names or anything like that. Can you give an example of this racist behavior without tipping the the hand of who it was? Can you help us understand some of the things that you experienced?
1: Yes, I yes, I mean it's it's on YouTube, unfortunately. Like you know, it's on the internet forever, unfortunately. Um, so I was elected in April of. 2021, I was supposed to appoint people to boards and commissions, and our charter, and some some ordinances, not all of our ordinances, but some ordinances said, you know, mayor appoints, council approves, and there were members on the council that didn't like that. They wanted to be able to appoint. And approve. And I was not going to allow the authority of the mayor that's given to that position in our um, charter and ordinances to be circumvented. Why? Why? I mean, honestly, you know, one of, one of these things doesn't look like the other. And, and, it's, and it's me being a Black woman. You know, if you go to, to Maplewood City Hall, which I don't know if anyone will ever do that. You should visit your city hall by the way, to your listeners, visit your city hall, see what your local government looks like, You know, see what the offices look like, go talk to a clerk, go do that because they work for you. Um, but anyways, that, sorry, that's just a tangent. But anyways, if you go to Maplewood City Hall, you will see that, that there, there are two rows of pictures and they're all former mayors. And the top row is all white men, and then the second row that's that's below is majority white men, one white woman, and then you get to me. It's, it's, like, it's like those pictures you see of President Obama, right? Like all of those presidents and then you get to him. He's like the one chocolate chip in the cookie. I'm just keeping 100. So <laughs> I, I'm just like, wow, wait a minute. The black woman becomes mayor and gets on the scene and now there is this um very, very strong push for by some members, not all, but by some members of council to take the authority of the mayor and disperse it amongst council. No, we're, we're just not, we're not going to do that. And so in June, when it was time to make the appointments, before that meeting, I was trying to reach out not trying, I did, I, I, was, I was calling my colleagues to let them know like, hey, there's one person that I'm going to need to kind of pull off of this appointment list because there's some issues, there's conflict between the his appointment and the ordinance. So I need to pull him off. And no time did any of the colleagues that I contacted tell me, hey, we don't like your process. We want to be able to appoint and approve. And we are going to vote against the agenda that has all of your appointments on it no one told me they were going to do that they all talked amongst each other and left me out on purpose by design yeah that was awful because then we have this public meeting and in the public meeting i am getting i am blindsided I just want to reiterate, I called my colleagues to try to talk to them before this meeting, like that day. And one colleague wouldn't take my call. Another colleague was like, oh, well, um, you know, I'm just going to let so-and-so take care of this, not letting me know that conversations had been had about what they were going to do. Um, And then another person wouldn't take my call and just like gave me a short response via text. So this was all by design. And then we get into the meeting and um, one of my colleagues had written out this nasty speech about me and read it. I was elected in April, this is June. And what's crazy is the people that were really coming for me, were the ones that were a part of one person was a part of my campaign another person um was a a an endorsement for me on on my mailers i mean honestly just just recounting this story it it was sheer insanity it was crazy <sighs> so yeah and all of these all of these people that i am you know mentioning. Excuse me, with without names, because it wasn't every person on council. It was not. Um, there, there were there were key people on council, and if you want to see it, you can go to YouTube. I hope you don't want to see that though. I, I um, don't. I don't.
0: How did it, but, how did you resolve all of this, or did it ever get
1: resolved? It didn't. Re- it didn't get resolved. It didn't get resolved. So if you watched the confirmation hearings for uh, the Honorable Katanji Brown, I believe her last name is Brown. Um, if you watch that and you watched how our our Senator, Josh Hawley, you know, asked her questions, was very disrespectful to her, very rude. How Katanji handled that, that's what I did for a year. What she did over what a week or two, two weeks. I did that for a year, apologizing for things that I really didn't need to apologize for. Apologizing, saying, "Oh, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry uh, that that was miscommunicated." No, <laughs> it wasn't miscommunicated. But that's how I had to interact in that space because at the end of the day, I'm here to serve the people and I need to get work done. And so in order to get that work done, I will eat all of the crow that I need to, even when I, it's not just that I am eating this crow, I will do it because I came here to work for the people and I got to get stuff done. But yeah, a year of that.
0: How were you able to transition through that year then to actually getting work done for the people? I'm imagining you built coalitions, things like that, but or maybe the question should be is have you been able to transition from that to actually be able to get work, get work done for the people?
1: So I, I was able to get work done for the people, just not as much as I wanted. Um, and I was able to endure <laughs> by, so, so during, during that year, majority of our meetings were via Zoom because we were just really still in the height of the pandemic, right? And so what I would do is I would have, I, for work I have two computer monitors and on each monitor I would have pictures of people during the sit-ins. So they would be at a um, counter, soda shop counter. And there are these black and white pictures that you can find just Google sit-ins, that black and white pictures that you find where you see our elders are sitting um, and then you see people pouring milkshakes on them, pouring drinks. Um, I didn't see any, you know, with the cigarettes, but I know that, that our elders endured that. But anyways, I would have those pictures up on these two monitors and then I would have my uh, iPad in front of me, and then I'd be in the meeting on my iPad. And anytime that I had to, you know, apologize for something that, you know, I didn't do, you know, miscommunication wise or anything like that, I just looked at those pictures. Those pictures really carried me through. And for me, it was if my elders can do this, if they could sit at a counter and endure such hatred to that extent this is light work. I can do this
0: too. Wow, Um, I want that to sit there for a second, uh, the impact of that. Um, What is your goal as mayor moving forward? You used uh, early on, uh, when you started talking about your service as mayor, you used the word gentrification, that you you started seeing or recognizing that the data was showing that certain people were not necessarily around in Maplewood, like they had been, uh, what what are you? What are the things you think that will help to change that? And again, I don't want to say that Maplewood is not an inviting place that where everyone is not where everyone is not welcome. I'm not saying that at all. But to see the change that you're hoping to see, what do you think needs to occur, and what are some of the initiatives that you're trying to do to bring that about?
1: Well, Maplewood is. Is, is small and we don't have a lot of land to develop. And initially I thought that we could, you know, find something in Maplewood, some land that we could develop for workforce housing. Um, but I've recently just kind of, after a year of really trying to dig in and see if that's a possibility, I'm seeing that, excuse me, it's, it's not without partnership. Um, And so right now, what I'm starting to focus on is ordinances, ordinances. And the ordinances that I'm looking at uh, are coming from Chicago. They have some ordinances in place that ensure there is affordable housing. So if you want to knock down some buildings in a certain part of Chicago and not include affordable housing, or if you wanna just knock down these buildings that are affordable housing for the community, then you're gonna pay for it. It's like $50,000 you're gonna pay. And I wanna see that here. I'm not gonna hide that. I'm not. <laughs> Transparency, baby. So I wanna see it. I wanna see it. Um, that's what I'm focused on. You know, I, I, it, it hurts me to talk to a Maplewood resident that tells me they were born and raised here. They graduated from the high school and now they can't afford to stay in the apartment that they've been in for 11 years. That's ridiculous. That's ridiculous. So if I can do something about it, which I can, I'm going to. And the nice thing is, you know, As as mayor, I do need to work with my colleagues on council to get things through. I can't just say, okay, I want this ordinance to go into effect, and it goes into effect. I mean, that's a dictatorship. That's not the government that we have. I am grateful that this year that I'm in, I have colleagues that I think in the central corridor of St. Louis County, (laughs) we, we would definitely be labeled as a very progressive, radical bunch. Because I remember talking to a colleague about this. I'm like, look, man, here's my idea. You know, I know it's radical. And he was like, that's not radical to me. I was like, hey, thank you, <laughs> we're about to get work done. So yes, um, I will say that about Maplewood. I, I will boldly say, I believe Maplewood is the most progressive municipality in the county of St. Louis. I said what I said.
0: <laughs> I wanna respect your time because we've been at this for a little while. One of the questions I always try to end these interviews on is what kind of advice would you give to your younger self or to anyone else who is hoping to be a leader or seeking to make differences in their community? What advice would you give them?
1: That is a very good question. Thank you for asking that. Um, I know this sounds extremely corny. (laughs) I'm just gonna say it though. I would tell my younger self to believe in myself. I did not understand my worth and my value until I reached 40, 40. I do not, I don't have like imposter syndrome, which is what I hear like the young folks say, Um, but a lot of the time I would just, you know, what my mother said was you fake it till you make it. And I felt like I was just faking it a lot. And if I could tell my younger self anything, it would just be believe in yourself. You're not faking it and you're gonna make it. So that's it.
0: Thank you so much again. I hope to have you on again. I hope you'll be willing to come on again in the future but thank you for your time thank you for sharing your wisdom and some of your experiences and uh i look forward to talking to you again
1: yes thank you so much for having me i appreciate it thank you for your listeners tuning in i know some of my uh answers were long-winded that's me (laughs) (laughs) thank you all right bye-bye
0: That's the end of our interview with Kailin Knafra. Hopefully you enjoyed it. Check back again next week for a new episode.